Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. My name is Audrey Rinlisbacher. I'm the founder of The Mission Driven Mom and the author of The Mission Driven Life. It's a book about the seven laws of life mission, how to discover and live them. And that's what we're going to talk about today is those seven laws. If you have not gotten your free copy of the book, head on over to themissiondrivenmom.com and you can claim the book in ebook e- or audiobook and see these seven laws in action in the lives of the Ten Boom family. For the next few minutes, I'm going to go over each of these seven laws, give you a few examples and help you understand the laws and the principles themselves. And then you can dig deeper in the book and uh, later in the academy if you want. It kind of began years ago. I had gone to the university and married and had children and hadn't finished up my degree. And after I had three kids, I was feeling a little brain dead and wanting something kind of for me, just some kind of intellectual stimulation of some kind. And I looked around at what options I had and stumbled upon a little classical liberal arts college. And it really changed my life. I had never read the great works. I had never really read as a kid. And that wasn't really part of our family culture. I'd never been exposed to classics really, and definitely not the great books. So I was very on fire about reading these original writings. It was super tough. It was really brain frying. In the meantime, I got interested in homeschool options. My oldest had, I had taught him to read. We'd had a whole lot of fun doing um, little, like, I guess it was homeschool when he was uh, preschool age. And as school rolled around, we found a private school for him. And then, you know, we had more kids and didn't know if it was going to be financially feasible to keep that up. And I started looking at the homeschool options and decided I wanted to try it. So between these two experiences, kind of studying the great books and being in these circles of this school and doing the homeschool thing, I started hearing about this concept called life mission. I'd never really thought very much about it or known very much about it. And so it really was quite interesting to me. And I go into this whole story uh, in more depth in the book. But I, so I'm just kind of giving you the highlights here. The point being, over the years, as I pay attention to this idea called life mission, I started to notice that people around me made huge sacrifices in the name of mission. If they said that what they were doing was mission, oh, they'd, they'd kill themselves. They'd turn their lives upside down. They'd quit their jobs. They'd move across the country. And in some cases, uh, you know, a lot of good seemed to come of it. I think in every case, some good came of it for sure. But in the long term, in some cases, what they were calling life mission destroyed their family. Sometimes it destroyed them spiritually um, and in other ways broke down their health, their marriages ended. And, and that was really concerning to me. And so I started to want to look deeper at what this idea of life mission was because some people, like if I was going to say to myself back then, what is life mission? Who do I know or have heard of that has fulfilled a, what I would call a life mission? I would say the Ten Boom family. The Hiding Place changed my life. I proceeded later on to read practically all the books that the Ten Boom family wrote. And I was really fascinated by their lives and how they became the people they became. Definitely other people. Who's another person I would say fulfilled a life mission? 
George Washington, for sure. You know, I could I could list off a whole bunch. And in the meantime, I'm finding out about these people in the media. I talk about Greg Mortensen in the book for a minute because he was someone that we read three cups of tea. I read it with my kids. We were all on fire. I thought he was just the bomb, just the awesomest guy. Went to see him in person, got our book signed. And it turned out that he he was a good guy, I guess. I mean, he did some good, but he lied and exaggerated his story. Uh, he kind of took a lot of the funds and put them in his personal account and didn't use them for what they were intended for, that they had been donated for. It was really disheartening. It was a disheartening to watch the people around me doing, quote, life mission that turned out to be somewhat of a disaster disheartening to watch people like Greg Mortensen, Smalley Mom, and others do good things in the world, but then have it kind of canker them and they get to the point where they lied, exaggerated, all those kinds of things. So I dove in and and I, I wanted to understand it better. I started reading, I'd always been interested in biographies. I started reading a lot more biographies and autobiographies and looking for, you know, what is this thing? Is there a thing called life mission? Is there... Uh, and and if so, what is it? How can I kind of get my mind around it? I, I started looking for books on it, found very few. One that I know that people read a lot is called The Dream Giver, has some useful tips in there, but not really a, a, a clear kind of layout of this is what mission is, this is what it looks like, this is how we define it. And I know it's a big thing and I know it's hard to codify and hard to define. But I really wanted to understand it. And as I read these books and thought about it over the years and kind of thought about my journey and my experiences and times when I felt something that I would say, you know, kind of being called to do something, um, I felt God was involved. I felt I was on God's air and doing something that he really wanted me to do. There seemed to kind of be these common elements. And as I looked back, I could see what this preparation for me had been. And I could see that pattern and just kind of over time just happened on this pattern, these laws that were present in the lives of every individual that I considered matched this definition of mission. Certainly people do good things in the world. They may not believe in God. Other people do good things, but it really ends up destroying them or their families. And so I want to just kind of share with you some of the truths that I came to and that I now understand and that have created really this clear picture, this path. It's, it's, it's big and there's a lot to it, but on the other hand, it really reigns it all in and brings it down to a really simple formula to some key laws and principles that are, that serve as checkpoints. That's what's so valuable. I think about it and why people are really loving the book is because it just gives them a framework to say, okay, I'm doing life mission or not. I'm on the path or I'm not. I know what my next step needs to be and gives them more, more clarity and direction. So I looked up the definition of mission and I kind of pondered what it meant to these individuals that I was studying and to me. And it had some common factors. One is that it's not a mission unless somebody sends you. Uh, there has to be another person involved, you know, all these Mission Impossible movies. It's a mission that someone's given that they're doing for someone else and that they have to report about, you know? And so it's part of a bigger picture. It's part of a bigger plan. It's 
it's kind of put together and created by an authority above that individual who sees the bigger picture and knows what that individual can do to help move the whole, you know, organization or whatever it is forward. And so from in a, in a broader sense, if we think about, you know, the whole world and we think about God and we think about his plans, then we can see that we're a tiny piece in that, right? We're a tiny part of that. And he knows what the bigger picture is. And so he's the director. He's, he's the one orchestrating it all. And he's the one giving the instructions. He's the one that can say, okay, I know who you are. I know where you are. I know what gifts you have. And, and this, these are the tasks that would be best for you to do that I can give you that will make a positive impact in the world and, and move people towards greater truth and light. That's really a huge objective is to bring truth and light and love to others. So I have this definition that I put in the book. It's kind of lengthy. People have said to me, maybe you need to shorten that up a little, but I, there's a lot of pieces to it and I wanted to make sure that they were all included. So I've just kind of left it there. An errand given to an individual or group by God to complete in the service of others. In this service, they represent God, striving to do as he would do in their place and ultimately responsible to God for what they do. Through their acts of service, they, their families, and those they serve experience personal growth and their lives are deeply enriched. So that's kind of broad enough and narrow enough to give us a context for what mission is. Like I said, it's something that we're doing to serve God and others. It's We represent him, we're responsible to him, and, and it's his errand that's part of a bigger picture, a bigger mission, if you would, and it's service. It, it ends up enriching the lives of everyone involved. The person on the mission, really, their life is profoundly affected and blessed. But that's the definition that kind of encompasses all the points about mission. I want to just mention, while we're on this point, some things that mission is not. Because I help, I think seeing the reverse of it, looking at what mission is not, can help gain you gain some context for, okay, these would be things that would not be mission. It's not mission when you're in it for yourself. It's not mission when you lie and deceive others about what's really going on. It's not mission if you're willing to sacrifice others to get what you want or to be perceived as successful. That's a huge one. When you watch people stepping on other people's toes and they're calling it mission, you know it's not. If they're more interested in appearance than in substance, if you're unwilling to be self-critical and make necessary corrections to character and methods, you know, if you're just plowing forward and you're just positive that this is what needs to happen and you're not willing to look at maybe I don't have the tools, maybe I'm not prepared, uh, then there's really a problem. I didn't mention this in the book, but one of the points that I got to before I really plunged in and started doing some extensive research on it, I, I went to a mentor that, that I considered amazing. And I asked this person specifically, okay, so how do you know when you're ready? Like, how do you know when it's really mission, when it's really a call and you're really ready to do it? And they said, well, you just try it. And if it works, then you were ready. And that really struck me as the wrong answer. <laughs> I didn't know the right answer, but, but when I heard that, I just, that just did not sit right with me. And I just thought that's not true. People shouldn't just blindly run out there and try to save the world, uh, when their house is totally out of order and their marriages are a mess or whatever the case might be. So I had some inklings of, 
I think that's wrong. And these are some reasons I think that's wrong. I also have talked to other people who said things like, well, you know, not everybody has a mission because, um, you know, what we're really just supposed to do is be a good person. There's a few people like, and, and this person <laughs> interestingly kind of mentioned George Washington, people like George Washington have a specific mission. The rest of us don't. And I do have to say that I think that, that that attitude is sometimes born of a lack of confidence, a lack of belief in yourself that you really would have a mission and that you really could do a mission. And so it's easier to believe that other people do and that you don't, which is a really unfortunate place to be. Uh, it's not mission if you're not willing to take responsibility for your mistakes and own up and say, yep, that's just a person that wasn't prepared. These are all indicators of someone who's not living the four foundational laws, which we'll go over in a minute. Someone who really is not prepared for mission is not willing to do what's required of leadership. And that is take responsibility when there's mistakes. And um, that the, this individual also would not be on mission if they're not interested in enriching others. They really only want to enrich themselves, whether that enriching is with things or with relationships or with knowledge and information, whatever, whatever it is you're engaged in, it really needs to be a, a really win-win type situation. One of the things I mention in the book is this idea, question that I asked, does everyone have a mission? And I want to just recap for you kind of what I, how I answered that question. The answer is yes, if they want one. God will always use us if we want him to. In other words, we could say that we don't necessarily have a mission. God isn't going to wait around for us to do things that need to be done right now. But if we want a mission, if we want to be part of God's army, if we want him to work through us, if we want the hardships and rewards available to us through life mission, he would love nothing better than to partner with us and show us the way. It's our choice. And so people that don't fulfill life mission are just people who were very comfortable. I, I read something somewhere. I wish I could remember where it was. And they said that um, failure is not the opposite of success. Comfort is. Comfort and conformity. And I really love that. Um, if you're talking about really, real true success, the kind of success that lasts beyond you, that, that's a positive impact on future generations, the kind of impact that um, enriches, truly enriches other people and makes you the best person you can be, that's, that's life mission. And there's a price, there's a cost for that. And we've, we've got to, we've got to want it. I mean, we, we get what we want. And I, I talked about this in a, in a previous podcast that we're going to get what we want. So we need to be careful and we need to know what we want. Now, I mentioned really quickly in the book, and there's other podcasts on this, so go listen to those, but I mentioned this idea of the reason that these are called laws, and it goes back to the concept of natural law. Cecil B. Cecil B. DeMille said, it's impossible for us to break the law. We can only break ourselves against the law, and he was talking about the law of human nature. God made this world according to natural laws. Science encompasses a portion of those natural laws, but there is also a law that governs humankind. And that law of human nature is really evidence of creation, evidence of God. And it's really a, a fantastic, one of the most valuable evidences we could have of God, that we have a moral code and a sense of right and wrong and, and a conscience and all these things. And so these are called laws. They're part of that law of human nature. They're a bigger, broader concept. And there are principles inside those laws. First, we have natural laws and then first principles and principles. And so what I've done in the book is present these seven laws as immutable in, in meaning you must 
live them if you're going to fulfill your mission. It doesn't mean you have to understand them consciously because many of the people that will be highlighting in podcasts in these mission-driven stories didn't sit down and say, these are the seven laws of life mission I'm going to set out to live them. You and I have the luxury of saying that and the path will be a little clearer. And I think that's valuable. I think that's a gift. I think that empowers us to do even more good, which is what God would want. But um, for these individuals, it was just a matter of this willingness to give up their to give up their agenda for God's plan. And he took them on a path and this was the path. And I just, I just, I just pulled that path out of their life stories and saw the consistency of it. So there's four foundational laws and there's three leadership laws. And you have to live these foundational laws before you can have what we would call a calling before you can have a moment where you feel like this is something that I'm going to do outside of my own personal life, outside of my own personal home and those I currently have a stewardship over and start having impact in the, in the community around me. The foundational laws are about you. They're about your family. They're about those you have stewardships over. They're about your immediate responsibilities and putting those in place in such a way that you're prepared properly to have impact outside your home. Now there's four of these, um, And we will know that we are living these laws when we have come to truly understand love. Mother Teresa said, uh, our mission is to convey God's love. I say that often. I also quote Peck often, my favorite definition of love. It's also in the book, the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. And so this is really about learning to love. It's so true that It's a common word that we use. We think we know what it means. We think we get it. We usually don't. Love is complicated and it's hard work. And it means extending ourselves and nurturing others, nurturing their growth. So um, we're going to work on love. We're going to work on learning to love others. That's what these four foundational laws are all about. They all start with love of something. And uh, I just want to mention, this is also in the book. We develop our ability to love by doing these following things. Submitting to God completely, being willing to change those things about ourselves that stand in the way of our greater ability to love, discovering and developing our greatest gifts, searching out truth and courageously applying it to our lives, and learning all we can about the world and how it needs healing. So let me just touch on these laws and the principles for just a minute. There's extensive examples from the Ten Boom family in the book. Uh, There'll also be lots more mission-driven stories and interviews coming out in these podcasts to to show you over and over and over again the validity of these laws and and the myriad of ways in which people live them. And it's really so fun to look at all the ways that I mean, there's, there's, it's just numberless because we're all so different and where we live is so different and the kinds of gifts that we have are so different. So the first law is love of God. Now, if you're here and you like the mission driven mom and you're listening to this podcast, you really already probably feel like you do believe in God and love God. That's a lifelong journey to really know how to love God. He said, if we love him, we'll obey him. How do we do that? That's also complicated. Loving is, is work 
and learning to love God is a lifelong journey. So we want to be on that journey all our lives. One thing I didn't mention about these foundational laws that's critical to understand is that we return to them all our lives. Those leadership laws, we do them again and again, but they really send us back to these foundational laws and we live them on a deeper and deeper level as time goes on. And so this love of God has three principles. The first one is to develop a relationship with God. There are many ways uh, that we can do that. That's primarily in our communication with him, talking to him, listening to him, learning how to hear him and understanding his nature better. That kind of bleeds into the second principle, which is getting to know him. We do that predominantly by learning about him. That is, uh, happens largely in studying scripture, anything revealed by God that's inspiring learning about people who have followed him and learning how they did that and learning to understand his, his nature, how he works with other creature, other of his children. And so we work on our relationship with him. We get to know him better. And the third principle is willingness, which I talked about extensively and how to discover your life mission, because really it's so key. We really aren't on a mission unless we're self-evaluating and that's tough. That some of the hardest work that we'll ever do is to be completely honest with ourselves about who we really are and where we really are. And you know what's fascinating about that, and I've mentioned this other places too, sometimes we think that we're the most honest with ourselves when we're the hardest on ourselves. And although that often can be the truth, that we really do need to forgive and we need to uh, repent and we need to change and we need to learn and grow, probably true. It's also true that we're amazing. It's also true that we're gifted. It's also true that we have a lot more power than we think we do. And so being honest with ourselves is on both sides of that coin. Being honest about the ways that we need to change and honest about the great power and strength and all the gifts that we have. And it may seem a bit paradoxical to be in that place at the same time, but you can be. You really can be. And 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 level one of the MDM Academy is largely about getting to that place where you know how to be on both ends of that coin, where you see yourself really truthfully and you recognize and are honest about the fact that there are ways you need to change, but you also see just how great you are now and your incredible potential and, and, and ability to increase your capacity. That really leads us to the second law, which is love of self. It's interesting because when I was putting the book out there and people were uh, reading it for me and giving me feedback, and I still today get people who will who will express concern about this law. Well, you know, just loving yourself, and and I get it. There's a lot of unhealthy stuff out there on self love. Um, <laughs> one indicator of this was I hired someone to help with Instagram at one point who didn't have all of my complete worldview and the same kind of picture of things as I do. And so they thought that because of this love of self, it would be great to follow a lot of people on Instagram who use hashtag self-love. Well, it was disastrous. I had to go in and unfollow a lot of people because it was it was really not about self-love. They do not know their real needs. They don't meet their real needs. They don't really understand what it is to truly love themselves. And so that was that, that there, there can be a bit of a dichotomy there, but I mean this in the way that the greats did it, in the way that they loved themselves. They did these, they lived these three principles, and these are the principles that we work on very heavily in, in level one of the academy. Principle one is self-care. Principle two is self-management. And principle three is self-discovery. 
And when you, when you engage in self-care, you understand that you have real needs and you're not the only one that has real needs. Everybody has real needs. And so because everybody has real needs, you set about doing your best to recognize and meet those needs. Things like sleep, drinking, exercise, mental uh, strengthening, increasing your capacity, caring for yourself in the real right ways, your own scripture reading, you know, those four key areas that we hear about all the time, the mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical. The second principle is self-management. This is largely about take learning to take responsibility and how empowering that is. It's about, we talk, we talk a lot about learning to be a true creator and not being a victim anymore and what that looks like. And, um, really owning your stuff, taking responsibility for it and learning to be more self-disciplined and principle three, self-discovery. And this is fun. I mean, in the Academy, anyway, we do a whole bunch of different tests and, and talk about those just to see all the different ways that people think and are it's so empowering to see yourself in all kinds of different ways. And, and these are some of my favorite kind of tests and, and, and things that you can do and books that you can read that really helped me see myself in a whole new way. Very, very revolutionary and empowering for me. Law three is love of truth. And it's in the second level of the academy that we really dive into this love of truth, meaning love of true principles, really, and truth of all kinds. Principle one is to learn to discern principles and truth as we really embrace this mindset and worldview of natural law and principles that follow, and we commit ourselves to building principle-centered homes, we need that skill. And we need to understand the true nature of principles, how to search them out, and how to live in harmony with them. And so level two is really a deep dive into that. A lot of reading skills, a lot of original uh, writings on natural law and principles that are, they're tough, but so invigorating. Really a fun journey there. Principle two is to learn to apply true principles to your life, which can be tricky and you need to practice that. And then principle three is to stay committed to living true principles no matter how tough it gets. And this is so key. I've, I've run into so many people that would tell me, oh, I'm living all the principles, you know. But then you find out that when they go running, there's not actually backs on their shoes. And so they're really just kind of walking down the road or you find out that they really just eat so many carbs they could never lose any weight or you find out that they actually don't ever say any prayers and yet they're saying that um you know they're living all the principles well they're not and so you can't let that be deceiving you need to know how to understand those principles for yourself law four is love of humanity this is another one i got a little sometimes feedback on <laughs> from people saying Oh, that just sounds so like, I don't know, humanis humanistic and secular and, and not healthy. I mean it in the best possible sense, loving our brothers and sisters on planet Earth. And the best way to love someone is to know them. We'll love ourselves better when we know ourselves. I know so many people who think they know themselves because they live with themselves. And then they take some of these self-discovery tests and they go try new things and they realize, oh my goodness, I didn't even know I had this incredible ability. There's a, there's a little, um, I'll never forget this couple that I met at this 4th of July fair thing that we always go to. And the, and, and it's a husband and wife team and the husband does pottery and he has his little pottery wheel and he shows the kids how he does it and he sells his pieces of art. He, he told me how 
in his in his sixties, he took a pottery class and found out he was brilliant at it and absolutely loved it, and it took it up later in life. And so we can always be discovering things about ourselves as well as other people. And the better we understand all the different ways that people are, the worldviews, the world religions, the self-discovery things that I've talked about before, the 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 classics, the history the better we're able to love them and see them for who they really are and really embrace their uniqueness and see them as a whole person. So the love of humanity is really a lot about your self-education. And this is what level three of the Academy is all about. We dive deep into classics and original works and we read the greats and we learn these worldviews and world religions and human action laws and cycles and history. And it's so invigorating and empowering. And I promise you really learn to see the world differently. So the principles in a level in law four are thirst for learning, two, a broad classical education, and three, to develop empathy and become a servant leader. That's really the pinnacle of what these foundational laws are all about. You've learned to lead yourself. You've learned to lead your, lead your family by creating a principle-centered home. And you've learned about the people around you. And you know now you have some really good ideas about how to insert your gifts into the needs that you see around you. What are some problems that you can solve using the principles that you've learned and the gifts that you've developed? That's really where mission becomes impactful. Not just, you know, you've already had mission in your home. Now you get to do mission in the, in the greater community and it's so empowering. Um, so that's your foundational laws, law one through four. And then laws five through seven are the leadership laws. This is when you know how to lead because you're principle-centered and you're self-disciplined and you know how to manage yourself and meet your needs and not leave your own needs behind. And so it's really just a joy to go share what you've learned with people around you. Law five then is to hear the call. There's three principles again. Know what God is calling you to do. There's a couple different ways that I talk about in the book that people hear the call. Sometimes they have to search it out and it comes over time. And sometimes they just know it just comes to them. Um, Principle two is to finish your preparation. Sometimes, and and I tell some stories of the Ten Boom family, and again, I'll highlight other stories of other individuals in the future as well. Sometimes there's more you need to do, a degree you need to finish up, some talent you need to finish developing, something you need to put in place in order to really be ready. Maybe you need to learn organizational skills or how to run a business, whatever it is. You finish those preparations. You don't cut your mission short. You put your all in and you do your very best for God. And principle three is to expect resistance and push through. Sometimes from the people that are closest to you um, can misunderstand what it is about and will push back and you need to know this is what God wants me to do and I'm going to make it a priority. Law six is to courageously execute. This uh, three principles again. So you've heard the call. You know what you need to do. You're all prepared. You've pushed through the resistance. Now you're going to go out there and do it. Number one, principle one, to recognize that you're going to have obstacles often up front. It may be tough and you are tempted to turn around and quit because, man, I've already done so much already. Why is it still hard? Push through those obstacles. And principle two helps you know what you need to do. You use the obstacles to strengthen your foundation. You return to those foundational laws and you become a better, stronger, more capable leader because you live those laws to a greater degree. And principle three is to share your message. Every great person that I studied had a message. And it's interesting because 
You don't really think of it that way. Sometimes the message seems a little disconnected from the work that they do, but they always have a message they're trying to convey. I talked to to, uh, a woman recently who is the first mayor in her city, and she said that her message is that mothers should stay home with their children. And that's what she did. She raised her children, and then she went out and had impact in the community because she lived the four foundational laws first. She was totally prepared. She's having positive societal impact now because she put family first and she lived those foundational laws. Her message doesn't really seem like something that the mayor of a city would be saying, but that's her message. The Ten Booms had their message. Albert Schweitzer, Mother Teresa, they all have a message to convey. And as you work on the mission path, that message will become clear to you and you'll share that message out in the world no matter what you're doing. Whether I'm talking about leading a book discussion or reading books or fixing your marriage or finding your mission, for me, it's principles. That's what changed my life. My message is find and live true principles and your life will be revolutionized. So Uh, Then law seven, do it again, do it again and again and again and again. Life mission isn't one mission, it's life missions. And that's what you're going to do. You're going to spend your life on this mission path. You're going to put your foundation in place. You're going to live those foundational laws. And then you're going to hear the call and you're going to strengthen yourself again in the foundational laws. You're going to have positive impact. It's going to enrich your life. You're going to be more than you were. And it's going to change the lives of the people around you. I have seen this work in my own life, in the lives of people that I know, and in the lives of the greats that I've studied in history. I know that these laws will lead you on a path to becoming the best that you could be, learning how to partner with God, and how to, as Mother Teresa said, convey God's love. That is our mission, and that's my challenge to you, is to get the book and get on the mission path. If you don't have a copy, go to themissiondrivenmom.com and grab one. Get onto the mission path because your life will never be the same. It's a great adventure.